Greetings Stay Frosty Park Runners, and welcome to the 36th edition of the Stay Frosty Park Run podcast. I'm your host, Emu, and I'm going to be here for the next 20 minutes or so to talk about finding time to run. I'll also be announcing my star park runner of the week, my featured park run, and letting you all know about any upcoming park run anniversaries. I'll round up by letting you know how we got on in our own park runs this week. As always, if you'd like to get in touch, feel free to drop me an email, stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com, or you can send me a message on the Stay Frosty Facebook page. First up, in Parkrun news, the new apricot t-shirt has finally been released for general sale, which Jay and I were very much looking forward to. We both have the old long-sleeve t-shirt, and Jay also has the old short-sleeve t-shirt with the customised South Norwood on the front. Maybe I had my hopes a little too high, but I have to admit that I was a bit disappointed that they haven't also released the vests and long sleeve shirts like they had last time. They also seem to be a touch expensive at £33 each, so what I've done is I've deferred buying one until they have a little more choice and or the price is reduced a bit. Having said that, the reviews are generally positive. The sizing is good and the material nice and light for running, making them ideal park run- the ideal parkrun accessory. In other news, I've once again entered the J.P. Morgan Challenge this year. Each year, J.P. Morgan runs a worldwide corporate challenge open to any company employees that want to enter, subject to runner number limits for each event, of course. And the London event takes place in Battersea Park over two days at the beginning of July, which, conveniently enough, is a few minutes' walk away from my place of work. Last year was the first year that our company entered, and 30 runners took part on what had to be one of the hottest days of the year. After sweating out what had to be maybe half of my body weight, I was only able to complete the 5.6 kilometres in 32 minutes and 20 seconds, and I'm hoping to do much better this year. If I can get my time under 30 minutes, I'll be very happy with that, but anything better than that, then I'll be ecstatic. This year, due to popular demand, our company has actually allowed 80 runners to compete in the challenge and I was happy to get in as as it's based on a first-come, first-served basis. There is an anticipated crowd of 30,000 entrants from 800 companies taking part. It makes catching the train or bus in and around Battersea Park very interesting indeed. Because I work so close to the park, I was able to attempt a lunchtime run, which I haven't done before. It did feel very rushed, but I managed to squeeze in 3.6 kilometres and a lukewarm shower before heading back to work, eating my sandwich on the way. I like the idea of running during lunchtime, but it is difficult to find enough time. I even made the effort to wear my running kit under my clothes, which, although it it made me rather hot at work, did allow me to get changed very quickly. I was only running for less than 20 minutes, but it's the changing and showering afterwards which seems to take the most time. I guess I could have skipped the shower, but then I don't want to be the smelly one for the rest of the day either. It's made me think about when we can actually find the time to run. Until my lunch run, I had only run before work, after work, or at the weekend. So I asked the question on the Stay Frosty Facebook page, when is your favourite time to run and why? Andy and Mike were both kind enough to respond with their thoughts. Andy says that he's a morning runner. He always struggles to run in the afternoon, and he finds that he's getting better results in the morning. He also enjoys running on holiday as a way to explore the area he's staying in. Mike likes running to work for his commute. It's only 20 minutes slower than taking the tube, but this way he's able to get a 7 mile run under his belt by the time he reaches work. He prefers running to work rather than from work, especially in the summer months. So, 
Is there a best time to run? Or is it more about what suits you on a more personal level? Although I'd never researched the subject, I always thought that morning runs were the way to go. They're a great eye-opener and can send you off to work energised and ready to face the day, as well as kick-starting your metabolism and helping you to burn more calories. But the first article I hit upon from Runner's World actually talks about our circadian rhythms and how our body performs better at the point when our body temperature peaks. This is in the afternoon or evening, for most people between 4 and 5pm, although some studies can put this as late as 7pm. In addition, running in the afternoon or evening, our muscles are at their most supple and lung function is more than 6% better in the afternoon than at other times of the day. There are physically no downsides to running at this time of day. Any drawbacks stem from our mental state. A lot of people cite being too tired after work to enjoy a run at this time. But it's also been observed that people running in running clubs might grumble and complain before the run, but then find that they're the ones pushing the pace forward during the run. The afternoon or evening is a great time to run if you're looking to set a new PB. However, Runtastic.com reckons that rest and recovery runs are best done in the evening. Their reasons are that although running in the evening is a good way to relax and your body will already feel warmed up, you might find it difficult to sleep after an intense run at this time as you'll have re-energised your body just before going to bed. It's a bit of a quid pro quo though because running in the evening will also help your body to burn more fat during the night. Verywellfit.com also highlights the point that you should make sure that your training schedule whenever you run fits with the activity that you're planning on participating in. So if you're doing a marathon, then training in the morning is a good idea, because most marathons start in the morning. If you're training for a night run event, then it's best to train in the evening to get your body used to running at this time of day. Also makes the point that anything might crop up during the day which could prevent you from running in the evening. Whether it's a late night at work or having to take the children to their practices. Whereas running in the morning can be done before the day has got going. During hot weather, it's also worth considering that running in the morning will be a lot cooler than running in the afternoon or in the evening. Active.com has an article which counters the argument that running can hinder sleep if done at night. It says that running in the evening can actually aid sleep, and experiments done which compared athletes' sleep on their workout and non-workout days found that there was very little difference between the two. Lunchtime runs are a great, great way to inject some energy into your day and boost your brain power. Although your time may be limited at lunchtime, running during your lunch hours means that you won't lose an hour in the evening or have to get up earlier in the morning. An overriding point about running at any time of day is that you need to get enough sleep. Whether you're running first thing in the morning or last thing at night, if you don't get enough sleep you'll find that your performance will decline. Very well fits final remark, which I wholeheartedly agree with, is that some exercise is better than none, no matter what time of day you decide to run. Make sure you pick what works best for you and your, fits into your lifestyle. I'd personally like to make the effort to run more when I'm on holiday. You have fewer time constraints and it's a nice way to see an area, as Andy mentioned before. Now moving on, this week it gives me great pleasure to introduce... Pip Harrington as my star parkrunner of the week. Pip ran at Barking this weekend and finished just behind Jay in a new PB time of 26 minutes and 49 seconds. She was the ninth female finisher and has completed a total of 27 parkruns at Barking 
and an amazing 150 park runs overall, as well as earning her 25 volunteer t-shirt. The last time Pip got a PB at Barking was on the 11th of November in 2017, and this was her first ever time running under 27 minutes at Barking. Well done Pip, it's an amazing achievement. If you know someone who has achieved something special in Parkrun, or you think deserves a mention, feel free to drop me a message on the Facebook page, or send me an email and let me know who your nomination is. This week's featured Parkrun takes us to Prudhoe Riverside Parkrun, which runs alongside the River Tyne, a little way out west of Newcastle-upon-Tyne. If you're travelling by train, you can go to Prudhoe Railway Station, which is about a ten minute walk from the location of the start. By bus, the number 10 service, you can alight on Prudhoe Front Street, which is about 15 minutes' walk from the start. You can find out more information about the bus services through the Simply Go website. If you're walking from Prudhoe Town Centre, you can head down Station Road to the Riverside Park, signposted Prudhoe Rail Station. From Wylam, follow the Riverside footpath marked Prudhoe. For those of you driving, from the A1 you can take the Metro Centre exit and follow signs for Prudhoe slash the A695 and merge onto Chainbridge Road. Continue along the A695 to Princess Way and at the roundabout take the third exit onto Station Road. From the A69 you can take the A68 exit and follow signs for Prudhoe and again A695. Continue along that road through Riding Mill, Stocksfield and Mickley. At the roundabout, take the first exit onto Station Road. Tyne Riverside Parkrun is signposted from the train station, and parking is available at the Riverside Country Park, with overflow parking on the opposite side of the road. This course is run on a mixture of tarmac and trail paths, and you complete two clockwise laps, finishing at the start, which is located on the Riverside Path. It's a mostly flat course with a slight incline and a steeper downhill section. It's also worth noting that some of the trail paths of this course make it unsuitable for buggies. There are public toilets available at the Riverside Park Cafe slash information centre and there's also a children's play area. After the event there is a post-park run coffee at the Tyne Riverside Cafe which everyone is welcome to attend. In recent weeks there have been between 20 and 25 volunteers each week and between about 150 and 250 runners. On the 1st of January special this year, there was a record attendance of 396 park runners. There have been 127 events here so far, with the start date on the 12th of November 2016. The numbers of this run do fluctuate from week to week, but you can see that they've steadily been increasing in the two and a half years that it's been running, which seems to be a similar trend across the country for most park runs. This sounds like a very picturesque park run event, which would be a lovely one to attend if you happen to be in the area. This week's park run anniversaries is going to be kicked off with Dartford Heath Park Run, who started with their first event on the 12th of May in 2018 and will soon be celebrating their first anniversary. With the third anniversaries, it's Erdig Park Run and Wepro Park Run, both of which started on the 14th of May in 2016. It's a fourth anniversary for Harrow Park Run, which started up on the 9th of May 2015, and both Pendle Park Run and Springburn Park Run will be celebrating their fifth anniversaries, having started on the 10th of May in 2014. 
with upcoming 6th anniversaries, it's Pegwell Bay Park Run and Rother Valley Park Run, who both started on the 11th of May in 2013. Preston Park Run, which started on the 12th of May in 2012, will soon be at their 7th anniversary. Hampstead Heath Park Run will soon be celebrating their 8th anniversary, having started on the 14th of May in 2011. And last but not least for this week, Bedfont Lakes Park Run, which started on the 9th of May in 2009, will be celebrating an impressive 10th anniversary. Congratulations to all the park runs with upcoming anniversaries. I hope you have a special celebration day. And moving on, it's time to look at our park runs for this week. So this week, Jay and I journeyed over to Barking to run with my sister Nikki. There was a moment of panic when travelling down on the Jubilee line. We were told that there was no interchange at West Ham where we normally hop off. So we ended up going to Stratford and getting a taxi to Barking Park. And thanks to an awesome taxi driver, we arrived with time to spare and shortly before Nikki got there as well. We were both gunning for a new PB, having not been to Barking Park Run for a while. And we had a very quick start with a 3-2-1 go and we were away. Everyone started quickly, and Nikki, having had trouble with allergies recently, was taking it a little easy, for her anyway, so I went with her for the first lap. After that, she started to pull ahead, and I, realising I'd gone out too quickly, shuffled around the remainder of the course. I have to say, my performance was lifted by the Star Wars theme being blasted out for Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. And the pint-sized Stormtrooper and Wookiee cheering everyone on was simply amazing. Nicky and I overtook Jay along the lake straight, but he went with us for a short time before settling down into his own rhythm. He completed the course in a very impressive 26 minutes and 47 seconds, a new PB for barking and his second fastest ever parkrun time. I got around the 5 kilometres in 25 minutes and 11 seconds, a minute quicker than the previous week at Old Deer Park Run, a new PB for barking and a new overall PB so I was very happy, despite pushing myself a little too hard, maybe. Nikki finished in 24 minutes and 24 seconds, amazingly quick, even though she was a little off form. We all went back to hers for a well-earned breakfast. And an advantage of recording this pod a little late this week is that I can also fill you in on our Sunday exploits as well. Nikki came back to ours for the night on Saturday so that she and I could go on a long run on Sunday morning. At 7am-ish, I was up and having breakfast ready for our 9am run. I wanted to test my free gift of a hydration camelback for subscribing to Runner's World magazine. I must admit I was a little sceptical as I didn't like the idea of something on my back for such a long time whilst running. I've run a fair few times to the train station when I'm late in the morning but my larger everyday rucksack is not positioned well enough on my back for me to run comfortably for any length of time and when I do run I tend to hold the shoulder straps to pull the bag closer to my back and stop it bouncing around. The camelback I have is only a 1.5 litre bladder with a small pocket for other things like keys that you might need to take with you when you run. Although I'd recommend don't put anything in there that you might want to access during the run because it's quite difficult to do so on your back. All suited up, Nikki and I headed out for a chilly but sunny conditioned run. I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised by the comfort of the camelback rucksack. I had adjusted it to suit my frame, and although the water sloshing around was a little off-putting to start with, you soon get used to it, and it is a relief to have such an ample supply of water so easily accessible. 
I clipped the mouthpiece onto my right shoulder strap so that I barely had to move my head to have a drink of water, and the design makes it easy to get a decent mouthful of water each time as well. As an additional bonus, the water sits in the pipe, which being external to the bladder means that the first couple of mouthfuls you take is air temperature, which on the Sunday we ran was very nicely chilled. If you drink a lot, you start to take water direct from the bladder, which does get a bit weirdly warm where it's been sat on your back whilst you run, but apart from that, I was very happy with the design and the amount of water I was able to take with me for what turned out to be a 2 hours, 20 minute run. We started out a little quick, but we soon got into a rhythm, and it wasn't until the 18th kilometre that we started to slow down and get a bit tired. I could feel a bit of an ache in my knees and my right hip, and Nikki had a pain in her knee, as she'd only ever run 15 kilometres maximum distance previously. We slow jogged and walked for the last two or three kilometres to make it up to a half marathon distance, then retired, achy and hungry for a large lunch and lots of stretching. We both ran the furthest we'd ever run before, at 21.5 kilometres. I'm going to say it again just because I like hearing the sound of it, that's a half marathon. Furthest I've ever run and on the cusp of graduating from being a senior woman into the category of a veteran woman. Jay also got out for the 5km run in the lovely weather on Sunday, and that covers all of our running exploits for the whole weekend. And that also about wraps things up for this week. If you'd like to get in touch about anything, you can email me on stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com or leave me a message on the Stay Frosty Facebook page. Nothing else remains to be said except thank you all very much for listening. I hope you've all had a great bank holiday weekend and lots of uh, marathon events which I've seen have been going on. hope you've all done very well on those. hope you all have a fantastic week as well. Stay frosty park runners and I'll see you all next week. Yeah.